Team, I said, you know, I just started an interesting conversation with Anthony. Just when he finishes his programme and he starts doing a heavy conversation and I'm listening to the last 15, 20 minutes thinking, oh, blimey, I've got to pick up off this, you know. How do you kind of go from that to, you know, Kate wins and, and I'm going to be talking about light, frothy things. And you think, well, it's Monday morning and, and you might as well sort of have a laugh before you go to work because, frankly, the weather's going to be terrible this week. The forecast is snow and gales and wind and rain and all the things that I'm not prepared for today. I never brought my umbrella in. Never brought the umbrella in. Didn't care. I thought, no, it'll be nice and sunny this morning. And then I think later on it'll probably uh, turn a bit a bit mizzy. But I hope you had a nice weekend. I hope you enjoyed listening to Anthony tonight. And you contributed. So the noise you can hear, incidentally, is me uh, typing because I forgot to do it during the news because he was chatting away to me so much. It's a, we, did, we did a phone call the other week, actually. I'm sure it went on for about an hour. What we talked about, I've got no idea. But it was a whole hour's phone call. I said, are you like me? Can you, only do, can you only do long phone calls? I can't do short phone calls. I did a short one to my brother yesterday because he phoned up and I was just in the middle of doing something. And he wanted to tell me, oh, can you believe this? He went to the O2 Arena and he watched the Strictly Dancing on Ice. I think it was, was it Strictly Dancing on Ice or was it Dance? Whatever it was, it was, it was one of the, might have been just the Strictly Dancing thing. And he goes there and sitting opposite him, is Catherine, uh, Catherine Jenkins. <laughs> so, halfway through the show, you can vote by text. It's the way of them making money while the show's on tour. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? But they, they do it. And so you, you text, and she was texting quite clearly for Gethin, because that's her boyfriend. So my brother goes over there. I can't believe he did this. I mean, talk about embarrassing. And um, he said, um, he said I'll, I'll do a, a, a text for Gethin if I can have my picture taken with you. So she goes, being charming as she is, yes, absolutely, that's fine. And so he has a bit, and he says to her, he says, you know my brother. So she goes, who's your brother? So he goes, Steve Allen. She goes, oh, I love Steve, I love Steve. So my brother said, he said, oh, thank you. So I don't know why, why he mentioned me, I've got no idea. So, because I said, well, I only saw Catherine a short while ago at the Festival of Remembrance, and she is lovely, you know, we like her a lot. And she's so delicate, but she's so pretty. I mean, she's unbelievably pretty. You know, some people, it's it's pretty made up. She's just pretty all the time. You can't... And she's thin. She's a little tiny thing. You look at her and think, don't you eat? And I remember asking you before, do you eat anything? And she says, uh, I eat loads of stuff. Anyway, um, the 60s. The 60s. We weren't talking about the 60s, but I'll mention them anyway. It was a hot Saturday evening in the summer of 1960, and Fred had a date with Sue. He arrived at the house and rang the bell. Oh, come in, Sue's mother said as she welcomed Fred in. Have a seat in the living room. Would you like something to drink? Lemonade? Tea? Tea, please, Fred said. Mum brought the tea. So what are you and Sue planning to do tonight, she asked. Oh, probably catch a movie and then maybe a bite to eat at the Wimpy Bar. Maybe take a walk on the beach. Sue likes to screw, you know, Mum informed him. Really? Fred replied, eyebrows raised. Oh, yes, said Mum. When she goes without, without out with her friends, that's all she does. Is that so? says Fred, incredulous. Yes, says the mother, says the mother. As a matter of fact, she'd screw all night if we let her. Well, thanks for the tip, Fred said, beginning to think about the alternative plans for the evening. A moment later, Sue came down the stairs looking pretty, as a picture wearing a pink blouse and a hoop skirt and with her hair tied back in a bouncy ponytail. She greeted Fred. Have fun, kids, the mother said as they left. Half an hour later, a completely dishevelled Sue burst into the house and slammed the front door behind her. The twist, Mum, she said. The dance is called The Twist. Such a good one. It's an oldie. I bet halfway through you're thinking, what the dickens are they on about this morning? How far can Steve Allen push it? Well, you know, 
as far as as far as I want to this morning. Because I work on the assumption it's eight minutes past five and I'm not PC at all. I'm SA. PC was on earlier and I'm SA and so it's completely different. I did I did get to see Piers Morgan in Monte Carlo Noreen. I tell you, I tell you, I was in two minds over it. I liked the programme because I thought it was very well filmed. I don't know if anybody else saw it. This is where Piers Morgan. I can't wait to see the Billy Connolly one because that's where Billy Connolly goes. And I can't. And you know, Billy Connolly is going to be incredulous about a glacier, and I too am quite incredulous about glaciers. But the, the Piers Morgan one, because Piers, as you know, is nouveau riche. You know, wrote for the the Red Top, the Mirror, which is the Labour paper. But he's he's the biggest champagne socialist you'll ever find. He so desperately wants to be in with all the really rich people. So the programme was full of absolute naff people. David Coulthard flashing off in his car. For some reason, Mick Hucknall, I don't know what the heck he was doing on there, and they had various other people, Theo Pafitis, but I mean, he'll turn up for the opening of an envelope. Sort of man who opens a fridge and does half an hour. And, you know, all of a sudden, you're there, and he's telling you everything that you knew about Monte Carlo. It's full of very rich people, apartments are very expensive, here are some yachts, and, and we never got to go on a yacht. I wanted to go on a yacht and see some of these big ones, you know, if you're that clever. He managed to do a little bit of brown-nosing with Prince Albert of Monaco, but it was little, you know, the, the brown nosing that Piers did, proving what a dreadful interview he really was, I'm afraid, for me. Apart from the fact he used the word glamorous about 200 times in the pro, Everything was glamorous. I thought, perhaps you've never been here before. Perhaps you have never, ever been over to, to Monaco. I mean, I thought loads of people have been there. I used to spend most of my childhood there running up and down the streets and playing with the other rich people. Well, I say playing with them, I was serving them. And, and, so, and I wanted to go on these things. And then he, he got Prince Albert and Monaco and he said... Your mother would be very proud of what you've done. I mean, she died like 1,500 years ago, for goodness sake. What a naff thing to say to him. And that was edited down, so quite clear the rest of it wasn't even worth putting out. Um, Now, Noreen did watch a bit of Alan Carr at the Apollo. He's pinched a bit of my act. I knew he would, and the bit of my act that he's pinched is uh, when his mum sent him to the Harvest Festival with a tin of pineapple chunks. Because that was my line for ages ago. And I've discovered, actually, that I'll use a line on this programme that is my copyright. You know, I've, I've sat down, I've scripted the programme. Because all of the... Pro- <clears throat> sorry. Because all of the pro... We'll have to edit that bit in later. Because... Oh, so I'll do it again. Three, two... Because all of the programme is scripted. And that's exactly how we work through. So I sit down and I write all this stuff. Uh, and then for Alan Carr to just pinch my line about a tin of pineapple chunks, I was not best pleased. Not best pleased. Uh, Ben says, great news, in spite of the worst bushfires in living memory, Miranda and parents are safe and sound, so that's good news. Moreover, Miranda has just been offered a a great new role with, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this company, is it Deloitte, Deloitte, anyway, whatever it is, she starts next Monday. So, good luck, Miranda, nice, nice to have the relationship still going well, very happy there. Patricia says, after Manuel Gates, you thought that Jonathan Ross's career was over. Now he's hosted the BAFTAs and his show is up and running again. Looks like he's been able to pick up from where he left off. Absolutely. Unlike poor Carol Thatcher. Mind you, no, no, no skin off her nose, I shouldn't imagine. The one show, what a lot of piddling audience. And incidentally, uh, after the Richard Maidley and uh, Judy Finnegan scandal where they admitted smoking drugs as if to make themselves hip, and I thought, what a pair of naffos. It turns out that Chloe's an old, uh, an old airhead as well. There she was in the Sunday papers, smoking a bong. Now, you now know what a... Up until yesterday and the day before, you had no idea what a bong was. I didn't know what it was. But apparently it's some tube. You put drugs in and uh, students smoke it all the time. Now, 
you know, I understand why it's a good story, because if you're in the public eye, the one thing you don't do is smoke drugs. However, if, if you're as ancient as Richard and Judy, and she must get that shaking sorted out, the one thing you don't admit to, because it makes you look very stupid, is to say, oh, yeah, uh, we did, like, you know, cannabis when we were young. We didn't like it. They all say, have you noticed? They all say that. We all did cannabis, but oh, we didn't like it. It's so funny, isn't it? Have you ever met any celebrities that I smoke cannabis? By God, we went through a ton that year. Oh, I tell you, we were growing it in the bathroom. We had the humidor. I tell you, we couldn't get enough of the stuff. We were growing it and selling it at all the, all the uh, Oscar ceremonies. Because you don't tell me that half the people at the Oscars are not sitting there stoned out of their mind. Of course they are. They've got to be. You sit there for four hours. Some people nod off. Oh, nod off. No. Go, on Go, to the to- Go to the toilet. Quick, quick, quick. I can remember all the comedy awards I ever went to. Every single... Uh, person who was hosting it always made the same joke there's a lot of people looking for charlie in the toilets every t- and every time the audience went, ha ha because they knew that most of the audience were coked out of their mind i promise you that's how it works so actually admitted admitted to smoking drugs i then thought to myself you know does it make it her parents then said we've spoken to her and chloe then uh, leaves us a, a statement saying i apologize for the embarrassment i've caused my parents to be honest with you, Chloe, your parents are the embarrassment. You know, I don't think you're the brightest penny in the box. I really don't. I mean, but that's your business. I couldn't care less if you want to stick a needle in your arm. Makes no difference to us. Nobody really cares. That. What matters is the fact that you've made yourself look stupid. You probably think, as indeed did many people yesterday, that if you're in the newspapers, you're a star. It doesn't matter what they're actually saying about you. It means you're a star. So if, if that's what she wants to do, if she wants to, you know, smoke a bong... And, and do drugs. I couldn't care less. But don't ever say, I'm sorry about the shame I brought on, on my parents. Because your parents made you the person you are. Your parents are the embarrassment. you only got to look at their audience figures. 11,000 and dropping. Do you realise that there are... So- God, I wouldn't even like to calculate how many people there are listening. Well, I know exactly how many people are listening at this time of the morning. But we make Richard and Judy look feeble and pathetic. Richard and Judy would kill for my audience... At this time. You ask Anthony, don't ask me, ask Anthony, ask Nick Ferrari. They'll tell you exactly, you know, what the audience is at this time of morning. And it makes Richard and Judy look stupid. So if they all want to smoke drugs, I couldn't care less if the whole family want to sit round, start naked and smoke joints. Makes no difference to me. It's the hypocrisy of, you know, uh, our our children are very anti-drugs. Well, quite clearly they're not, are they? But don't ever impor- uh, you know, apologise for the shame you brought on your family. Your parents did that ages ago. And when Judy's breasts fell out in the middle of the awards and she didn't realise, you began to wonder how much she'd had to drink. I mean, how can you not know that these huge mountains fell out? And, of course, Richard, being the complete bozo, didn't realise and thought that the audience were just laughing because they thought he was very funny. Without realising that there was Judy's bazookas out in the hall firing on all cylinders... And it took... Who did it take to run up? Who was it? John Leslie. John Leslie ran up. Oh, last person you want touching your bazooka, isn't it, really? My God, otherwise the next thing is you find yourself on a movie. And then you're on the internet. And then you lose your job. And then, oh, it just gets too complicated, doesn't it? 5.15. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. 84850. Steve at That's your access to this programme. <laughs> News headlines, Slumdog Millionaire dominated the BAFTAs in London last night, picking up seven, including Best Film and Best Director. Kate Winslet adds Best Actress to her clutch of awards for The Reader. Nicky Rourke won Best Actor for The Wrestler. The death toll in bushfires in southeastern Australia is reportedly risen to 128. 
Police are investigating claims that some of the fires were started deliberately. And the Brits are doing well across the Atlantic at the Grammys too. Radiohead, Coldplay, Adele and Duffy are among the winners. Here's our winner this morning with the travel. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much. Good morning. M25 in Essex. Uh, there are delays at the moment anti-clockwise. As you have a company, it's 5.20. It's Monday morning. It's LBC's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. Trust you had a very good weekend. We'll have the horse racing later. Mr Black will be clapping his hands again because uh, I'll just give you a rough idea now. He did quite well. OK, he did quite well. Uh, coming up with Nick Ferrari this morning, gang violence continuing to claim lives. A new study suggests there are 50,000 gang members in the UK. I mean, it's just, it's pathetic, isn't it? The difference was, and I was talking to somebody about, I don't know when it happened, and I don't really want to get into it because it just gets a bit tedious for most of you listening, and, and I know that 99% of you much prefer if we, if we troll through the papers, which we will in a second, but it's, it's the fact that when we were younger, we were in what we thought was a gang, but it was never malicious, it was never nasty. Now you get nuns being mugged, now you get pensioners being knifed for a fiver, that's how nasty it's got nowadays. It's the feral children of the feral parents who are coming out there because their parents couldn't be fagged to even look after them. So consequently, you get the people who are mentally ill. You get people who now are on the street and they think it's, it's OK to behave badly. They think it's OK to shoplift. They think it's OK to throw bricks through people's car windows from motorway bridges. They think this is quite normal behaviour. And you know why? Because the press and the television have actually almost encouraged bad behaviour. And the bad behaviour stems from people like Chloe Maidley, who makes it look OK if you smoke drugs. Because nobody gives a stuff nowadays, do they? Nobody actually cares if you smoke drugs. Let's face it, her parents admitted smoking drugs, so what the hell? You know, as I say, why don't she stick a needle in her arm go all the way? Because that's what it is. You know, everybody now terribly sad, Jade Goody. Oh, terribly sad, isn't it, because she's got cancer. short while ago, she's that fat, ugly racist. Now, of course, because she's got a disease that's, that's non-curable, everybody goes, oh, isn't it terribly sad for her? And yet it was only a short while ago, the most hated person in the country. And now there's lists on television. Who is one of the most hated people in the country? Apparently, Heather Mills. And yet she gets coverage. So there'll be a certain section of the population, probably, you know, the Jeremy Kyle audience, you know, the type of, because I tell you, my God, there's uglies on there. Dear God in heaven, I didn't realise it was possible to be that ugly and still get laid. I mean, it must be paper bag jobs. It can't be anything else, can it? Or drink or drugs or possibly a combination of the both. And they see themselves on television. They all sit round with a can of Stella or whatever and go, see, look, we're stars now, aren't we? Because we're on television. The Rooney's, you know, people behave badly. A couple of cousins of, of Wayne and Waynetta Rooney, you know, go out there and they behave badly at the wedding. One of the girls pulls her dress down and shows her breasts. Ugly cow that she is. The only way she's going to pull somebody. And the other one claims to be a transvestite. So what happens? One of the cable channels signs them up to do an alternative at home with the Roonies. So all of a sudden, they're famous. So frankly, if I went out there today and, you know, just pulled a gun out and blew some taxi driver's brains out, I'd be on the front page of the papers tomorrow and I'd just go, do you know, I had such a bad day. I'm really sorry about that. I had such a bad... Because that's what it is. Every time you open up the papers, it's the bad behaviour that gets in there. You never get in the papers through being nice. You never get in the papers for doing a good deed. Unless it's the Daily Mirror Pride of Britain Awards. The rest of the time, it's all people behaving badly. So you look through the papers, and that tragic story the other day of uh, two little boys playing on the ice on a pond. And the ice breaks, as indeed it does, because it's never that cold, I'm afraid, nowadays, for things to freeze properly. And one drowns. Where were the parents? The father was out walking the dogs, and the mother was at home. These are little children. You know, they shouldn't be unsupervised. Or, failing that, tragedy though it is, I mean, do people... We were taught. How is it that other people's children aren't taught? 
don't go near frozen ponds. I mean, it doesn't become any clearer than that. Don't go near for it because you don't know how thick the ice is. You know, you might tap it near the edge and it might look fairly... But, of course, as it goes towards the middle, naturally it becomes thinner. So you don't go near it. Actually, talking of, uh, of horrible things, the snow is on the way again. Brace yourself for rain, sleet and howling winds. We're getting a whole lot... I don't know why people complain about it. It's British weather. That's what we get. All the seasons in one day. I love it. I love it. From tonight, storms set to batter most of the UK. They'll roar in from France and the south of England faces prolonged rain. A band of snow will move eastwards across the country with falls possible in most areas over the week. And these icy conditions mean that the battle to keep the roads safe will continue. Uh, Snow, uh, sorry, salt is being shipped in. We don't have any salt. I'm terribly sorry about that. It's a bit of a cock-up with the local councils. They didn't realise that uh, in winter we might get snow. Sorry about that. Little bit of an apology. Uh, We didn't buy salt. Uh, but we did buy loads of toilet rolls, but we didn't buy any salt. Sorry about that. You know, apologies all round, and we will sort it out. Talking of sorted out, here they are, page seven. So I bet you anything, Chloe Madeley will be cutting this out, and this will go down as part of her scrapbook. And the scrapbook will uh, will say, you know, here she is, you know, doing drugs, and it was all terribly funny, sitting there with a can of Grolsch. I don't know how old the thing was. It doesn't look that old to me. But there you go, laughing after inhaling, because she's stoned. But, as I say, I couldn't care less, Chloe. Couldn't care less if you want to do any amphetamines. Go fly off a wardrobe. Nobody's interested. But I just don't think the paper should put it in there anymore. I really don't. Sad news, of course. Uh, Ken, uh, Ken Barlow, Bill Roach, his wife, died yesterday, suddenly. Uh, they'd been together 30 years. The only history she had is asthma. She hadn't been ill or anything. Just dropped dead of a heart attack. So they've said to him in the street, so you'll see him for a few more Weeks yet, because they're so... I think they're six weeks behind, or six, six, six weeks ahead of themselves. And so, consequently, uh, he might not be appearing for uh, the best part of a few months. Although I think he'll probably, knowing what he's like, he'll probably want to get back to work as soon as possible, but just drop dead like that. Absolutely tragedy. Absolute tragedy. Talking of tragedies, there's quite a few tragedies in the paper today. One of them is the council chief at the centre of the Baby Peace scandal says she's the victim of a media witch hunt. Uh, I'm afraid no remorse... No, nothing at all, I'm afraid, from Sharon Shoesmith. She can't bring herself to say sorry or anything. A rather nasty piece of work. I mean, you would have thought, you know, people would say, can you not say sorry? Have you got no remorse at all for the fact that this kid was beaten black and blue? And Have you not got any shame? Nothing at all? All she sees is, uh, is, is this witch hunt, she says. Blames everybody but herself. You're a disgrace to the human race. You really are. And if you call that a witch hunt, good. It's a bloody witch hunt, then. It's a witch hunt. But for goodness sake, terrible. Actually, talking of... Ter- there are some... There's a picture in... Because Peaches Geldof, as we said on the blog yesterday, tragic news for everybody. Anyway, the old, uh, the old bag's back on the market again because her marriage finished. It lasted uh, about five seconds. Uh, the trouble is, Peaches Geldof obviously rates herself as a, as a bit of a, a looker. I have to tell you, Peaches, you are one of the plainest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Actually, like the rest of your family. Because I don't think there's anybody good-looking in your family. I don't think your father's good-looking. I don't think anybody's good-looking. Even your mum wasn't all that. But uh, but she did sort of get around a bit. So that was good news. Uh, the BAFTAs will run through the uh, the list of who got what. You knew it was going to be Slumdog Millionaire, didn't you? Come on, hands up. Everybody knew it was going to be that. Everybody knew. Oh, and the good news is that uh, old Vic was out the other night. Vic Beckham, freezing cold, and she's wearing... Well, she looks like she's dressed for the theatre, the hospital theatre, because she's wearing a white outfit. She just needs a stethoscope round her neck, and here she is. No, no, no coat at all. 
going out, and they went to the Dorchester. Strangely enough, they didn't go to the home in Sawbridgeworth, which, if you heard the programme yesterday, I said I drove past, and uh, they're having some, some naff work done at the gates. Horrible brickwork. But anyway, it looks OK if you like that kind of cheap, crappy look. And, um, and they've, they've not been anywhere near it. And this is, this is Beckenham Palace. For some reason, they've not been anywhere near it for ages and ages, so they stayed the night at the Dorchester, which, I mean, is very nice. Got nothing against the Dorchester, I love it. But why would you not want to go and stay at home? Why don't they just sell Beckenham Palace? Because quite clearly they've not been there for months and months and months. And would you be in... I don't know about you, but you've probably stood at the bus shelter and the bus stop in the morning and you've seen schoolgirls wearing what can only be described as belts, laughingly called skirts. Anyway, there had to be one, didn't there? There had to be one story, and it's kind of a turnaround. And the reason it's a turnaround, I shall tell you after the news, it's because if you were the head teacher, or the teacher in this particular story would be going, oh, blow. It's just typical, isn't it? It's just, you say something, and then you suddenly realise afterwards, oh, blow, I wish I'd not said that. I meant to say it, but now it turns out that I shouldn't have done. And I'll explain why one, one particular girl was upset uh, when she, in fact, she was reduced to tears, although looking at a picture of her, she doesn't exactly look the type to be reduced to tears. Oh, the good news is, well done. Thank you so much. I, I said we should do it. Uh, we voted out Todd Carty. Finally, we voted out Todd Carty from the Strictly Dancing on Ice. Now, what we've got to do is get Colleen's legs a little bit thinner, because at the moment she's looking a little bit like a, a forest of sequoias. Attractive, though, in a strange way. This is LBC. Gonna gas this morning. Let me tell you, so many stories in the papers. Every time, every time I listen to the end of either Anthony's program, mainly Anthony, or Bill does it to a certain extent, I always think, I hope they've not found that story. I hope they've not found that story, <laughs> because they're so busy on the programmes, taking calls and everything else, they, they never get round to sometimes the stories. I think, no, it's the one I really want to get my teeth into. So here is this poor girl called uh, Aisha Smythe. Aisha Smythe is typical schoolgirl. Not particularly attractive, not particularly unattractive, just nothing. But she likes wearing a short skirt. I mean, frankly, to, uh, to quote the uh, careers advisor, she was making herself look a bit like a slut. That's exactly what the careers advisor said to her. She's 13. Anyway, Alicia says she was stacking chairs in the school dining hall when Virginia Green told her to lengthen her skirt. Miss Green is then said to have made the slut comment before adding that the short skirt was not doing much for your cellulite. Kind of thing you say. The trouble is, she looks like she's going to... I don't know. You know, you look at somebody and you think, well, you look demure. You look... This, this one looks like she'd have a right turn of phrase. I would, I would love to have hidden cameras around uh, Aisha Smythe to just find out whether or not she's the innocent little petal that we all, you know, are led to believe in the paper. So anyway, so this Virginia Green apparently makes this comment that uh, this skirt doesn't do much for your cellulite. Turns out it was a birthmark. It's a bit embarrassing, really. I mean, to have a birthmark anywhere, of course, is embarrassing for some people. To have somebody else draw attention to it is the worst thing you can ever have. So uh, her, her mother said last night, I couldn't believe that a teacher would use such foul and disgusting language to a pupil. Better get in the real world, love, then, hadn't you? Because you want to hear what pupils say to teachers. I mean, you can't be that dumb, surely, as mothers go. Sure, I remember once having a discussion with a woman on the programme. And she claimed she knew where her daughter was and what she was doing every minute of the day. I said, no, you don't. She said, yes, I do. She was one of these sort of, you know, nasty... You could tell what she was, because she was getting wound up straight away. And I said, are you telling me that you think that your daughter is absolutely, you know, this paragon of virtue? Yes. And I thought, you can't argue with something as stupid as that, somebody who's so, so blinkered. So, in fact, I've got no idea what, uh, what Aisha's like. But, but for, for the mother to say... It was, uh, this was foul and disgusting. I don't think calling somebody a slag when they've got a skirt that is barely, you know, I mean, if this girl is stacking chairs 
which means you're lifting them up. The skirt gets even shorter. I mean, why don't you just stand there in your knickers, Aisha? Perhaps, you know, perhaps this is the kind of look that people go for. I think at school, and I've seen the pupils wearing it, there's, there's a couple of schools in, uh, in Twickenham which, uh, which let pupils, I mean, walk around with fags. I've seen them, they walk around lunchtime with cigarettes on, and they must be about 12 or 13. 12 or 13, they walk around, and some of the skirts, I mean, they might as well just sort of advertise themselves in phone boxes, make it a lot easier. Or is that just getting older? Were we like that? Did, did we want to rebel? I wish somebody would rebel against it. Do you remember the revolting Judith Kilshaw? Do you remember Judith Kilshaw? Cast your mind back. This was the woman who tried to buy babies on the internet. The revolting Kilshaw family on the television. She looks like a bloke in drag. A bad bloke in drag. But anyway, she's now divorced henpecked husband Alan, who was another one who's completely off with the pixies. And she's going to marry a toy boy lover. What on earth he sees in this revolting woman? I mean, she was the most hated woman in the country. Their programme was revolting. She was revolting. Nothing has changed. Judith Kilshaw is still as revolting as ever. Sadly, I'm here to report that the looks haven't improved either. So that's not very good, is it? Why are you talking of looks? Oh, no. I knew that someone was going to mention. I heard this story on the news the other night. And I thought, that no, can't, can't be right. Please, please, God, it can't be right, because this is going to open the floodgates. And I know that there are people of, let's just call them limited intelligence, listening at the moment. OK, a guy gets five, four parking tickets. His name is Zhu Noon, OK? Don't you remember this? He gets four parking tickets from the council. I'm not paying them, he says. I'm not paying them. And he takes the council to court for causing him stress. All right? So it goes to court. Now, you would think that the council would go, here's, look, here's the photograph, his car was parked illegally, blah, 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 pay. No, no, no. The court side with him, and they award him £5,000 compensation for each ticket. He walks out with £20,000 from the court because the council didn't bother turning up to defend themselves. So the court awarded him £20,000 against the uh, the council. Four parking tickets. His battle against Newham Council began when he was apparently captured by council CCTV committing the parking offences. Two more fines arrived the following month, as well as the fourth penalty, which was a duplicate of a previous one, and was later dropped. He was so incensed, he launched a counterclaim for emotional distress at Bow County Court. After Newham Council failed to attend the hearing, the judge awarded him £20,000, £5,000 for each ticket. Small wonder the co- the judges in courts now are so barking mad. I mean, can you imagine? Everybody now gets a parking... Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got no money. It's a recession. I can't afford to pay it. I'm taking you to court. There's an asylum seeker suing us for 180,000 quid. He's a Somalian. He shouldn't be here. He came in on forged papers. The Sun have done a big feature on him today. Um, he was kept for 87 days. He wants, I think, something like £5,000 a day. And the son have said, I tell you what, love, why don't we just send him back to Somalia and you, you do your claim over there, all right? You do your claim, and we'll, we'll really take notice of it. It's now getting beyond a joke. Getting beyond a joke. However, if you want to see the face of a priestess who sang in the temple of ancient Egypt hundreds of years, wait for this, before the birth of Christ, kind of makes a bit of a mockery out of the Bible, I think, this one here, because people are saying, wait a minute, this was, this, this was before Christ? I thought, I thought, well, I don't know. It gets very confusing, doesn't it? Do you believe the Bible, you know, that God created it? No, don't. Nobody believes that. That's why when somebody wrote in the other day and said, God created pigeons, well, don't be so silly. Of course he didn't. <laughs> They're God's creatures. Don't be so silly. Grow up and be an adult. Anyway, here is a woman who sang in the temple hundreds of years before Christ. And what they've done is they found her coffin. 
but they didn't want to open it. So what they do, they take the, and it's a sealed coffin, very decorative, um, and they put her through a body scanner. So she goes through in a hospital, and they can X-ray through. And here is a picture of the body sealed inside. I mean, it's quite fascinating. It's the sort of thing you look at and you think, this is a woman who sang. She was a priestess. We know her name as well. Her name was uh, Mary Samun. I mean, it's quite a nice name, isn't it? Mary Samun, would you like to sing? La, 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 Something like that. Off she went. And so we can now peer inside her closed casket. So the mummy is still in the coffin. It's like having X-ray eyes to see the relationship between the coffin, the wrappings and the amount of linen. Because I remember watching them on the television a short while ago, and they recreated mummification, which involves they had uh, little things so they could take the brain out and everything else, and they could suck it all out of the body, and then just packed it all out. And that's why they survive, and we just go dust to dust, ashes to ashes, nothing else left. But here she is, Mirisamun, a priestess who sang in the temples of ancient Egypt hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. The scans suggest she was about five feet five inches tall, and she was in her late 20s when she died. You didn't kind of live very long in those days. It was like being in Victorian London. If you made it to sort of 40s, you were considered fairly ancient. It's only nowadays people go, they died at how old? 50, 50s, 60? Good heavens above. It's quite normal for people to live to their 90s now. Quite normal. The state of her bones shows she had a nutritious diet and an active lifestyle. Although she bore no signs of dental decay, the teeth were worn down by the grit in Egyptian bread, which was made from the stone ground flour. Interesting. When you sort of think, because can you imagine? I mean, we we take it for granted now. You get toothache, and you go to the dentist. If it's an abscess, he drills up into the tooth. What did you do in ancient Egypt if you got toothache? The answer is you'd be so racked with pain you'd probably rip your teeth out. Because we know that Henry VIII was riddled with syphilis. I mean, absolutely, he must have stunk to high heaven. He was rid. It must have sent him round the twist in the end, round the blooming twist. But if you got toothache. That would have been absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. Anthony Worrell-Thompson in the paper, pictured with, well, in this picture, Melinda Messenger, used to be Glamour Girl, used to be at Swindon, now boring the pants off everybody. And he says, the bank wrecked my business um, because they say he shut four of his six restaurants and made 60 staff redundant. It's a shame that Vanessa Allen, who wrote this, didn't follow up the story and say, well, actually, uh, he's going to be, only 20 staff have lost their jobs. 40 will keep them. So it's only 20. But he says, it's the banks who wrecked my business. No. It's probably just the fact that it's the economy. The banks didn't want to keep investing in it. So he handed the restaurant firm to administrators. They've all done it. Tom Aitkins left 160 suppliers, almost a million pounds out of pocket when he went bust. Chef Jean-Christophe Novelli, a man who's never mastered the English language. And you think to yourself, goodness gracious me, he's seen his gastropub business hit by financial difficulties. Two pubs out of ten planned are trading, but he sold shares in the firm and other companies helping him run it. Paul Rankin, Northern Ireland's most famous chef, has just one restaurant left from his £15 million a year empire. And Raymond Blanc's Brasserie Blanc in Manchester has shut after eight years. It's called a recession. That's what happens in a recession. And here it is, the story by Paul Scott, who's Robbie Williams' biographer, of poor, sad, lonely Robbie Williams, I'm afraid. Robbie Williams and the Little Green Men. He camps in the desert to spot UFOs. He thinks the FBI use satellites to read our minds. And he says aliens have invaded his house. Small wonder that poor Robbie has gone quite balmy and round the twist. And he lies on his bed by himself in Los Angeles. 
surfing the internet on his laptop computer, using lots of different names to log on to different sites so he can talk to people about his love of UFOs without people realising that it's sad old Robbie Williams. And, uh, of course, his, his income has fallen ma- uh, hugely. Last year, his company filed, I think, an income for him of £65 million. That's not for him personally, that's for the company, uh, because they toured. Uh, this year, £3.7 million. It's dropped for... You know, it's, it's a huge amount of money, but when you've got a huge, expensive lifestyle, £3.7 million doesn't go anywhere. I mean, £69 million the previous year, £3.7 million this year, most of which came from a, a tour. And after paying himself £5.5 million in wages, uh, his profits slumped from £15.7 million to less than half a million after tax. And, of course, his next album, if it doesn't do well, this is the last year, I think, of his money from uh, EMI. And, frankly, he's done nothing since it. The £80 million deal runs out... And uh, he won't want to repeat, I suppose, of the disappointing sales and critical mauling that met his last efforts, the appallingly titled Rude Box. So, of course, whilst he ridiculed Take That, now he's having to brown nose and crawl to them like there's no tomorrow. But they don't need him. I've said before, the ticket sold out without Robbie Williams being anywhere near it. The fans wouldn't want to see it. And no matter what Gary Barlow says, I'm telling you that Gary Barlow's going, oh, yes, we'd really like to see uh, Robbie back with us. They're all thinking, I don't think we... Why would you need him? So, in other words, there are the boys who work really hard, they've worked on the shows, and then Robbie Williams walks on and takes away the glory from them. No chance. No chance at all. 84850, uk. If you agree or disagree. I quite like that idea, actually. The idea of agreeing or disagreeing. Um, Johnny of Brixton says, you have overstepped the mark. The filthy remark was too much for me. I feel quite ill. I might have to lie down. Words to the effect of Judy's shake, rattle and roll Finnegan sitting down naked, smoking from a bong. The image has, has really scarred me. Thanks a lot. Why not throw in Andrew Pierce's best mate, Anne Whittacombe, who went off to that fair, and Diane Abbott, both naked as well. Oh, good Lord above. The only thing I always worry about is just how big a pair of pants do they make nowadays? I mean, when you look at some... You know, you do see some large people nowadays. Whether or not Diane Abbott, who is getting bigger by the day, actually can squeeze into things, and Anne Whittacombe as well, is not something we care to discuss on this programme. But we are becoming bigger as a nation. And it's all this cheap fast food rubbish. As I've said to you before, if you, know, if you go out to a place and they go, you can have two pieces of chicken and chips and a drink for one ninety nine. you know it is the most chronic food you've ever bought in your life. Might be fine for children, but not, I'm afraid, for adults. 84850, steve at uk. We weave everything in on the programme. We'll come around to some more of your texts and emails after the headlines. And, of course, after we've had a check on the state of the roads this morning. But believe you me, the weather will get worse from midnight tonight. It will get worse. And let me tell you now, you heard it first on LBC. Quarter to six, these are the headlines. Great night for British talent at both the BAFTAs and the Grammys. While Slumdog Millionaire and Kate Winslet won in the movie world, Coldplay, Duffy and Robert Plant were among the winners at the US Music Awards. Australia's deadliest bushfires have killed at least 128 people. Police are investigating claims some of the fires in southeastern Australia were started deliberately. The ministers are going to investigate if banks' bonus culture is to blame for the credit crunch. The Chancellor will announce details of a review into the entire banking system later. Let's have a check on the state of the roads for you. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. M25, some better news. Uh, Essex stretch anti-clockwise. All lanes now reopen between Junction 27, which is the M11, and 26 at Waltham Abbey. There was an accident in the Bellcommon Tunnel Roadworks. Uh, it was down to one lane for a time. That's all now been cleared out the way. Elsewhere on the... 2-6, Steve Allen's early breakfast, lbc.co.uk. 
Johnny also says, wait a minute, I've lost it, actually. The curious case of Vicky Beckham, a romantic tale of a person with no talent, and as time goes by is exposed as a very ordinary person with a dash of being predictable, from the highs of magazine covers and people listening to her to the lows of some wicked insults as Who Are You? She will be on television this year and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, which is lovely. Actually, they went out to Gordon Ramsay's. Nice to see that old Dave managed to dress up in a T-shirt. Those trailer trash tattoos are really the kind of thing. I'm sorry if I owned Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. I wouldn't let him eat there. Oh, dear me. Perhaps it's considered normal, but uh, just dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. 84850, steve at uk. Actually, you have to point out people, and I think, you know, sometimes you do get stupid people, and sometimes they are naturally stupid, and then they make up a name like Marvin, who seems to think, sadly, I mean, it's, you, I, mean I think it's obviously a joke, because nobody can be this dim. If God didn't exist, there wouldn't be Christmas, because Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. I don't think it is. I think it was pagan, actually. I think it came along long before that. And, of course, Christ wasn't born at Christmas, but never let that uh, stand away with a good story. It's very funny, Marvin. We think you're very funny, but if you're quite serious, then you're the thickest person I think we've ever uh, ever heard from. I didn't realise there were people that stupid out there, but uh, you're it this morning, I'm afraid, as we go tag. Uh, 84850. Uh, somebody says, oh, you do script your shows. Fantastic. £20,000 for four parking tickets. What am I doing poncing about with scratch cards, says Robert the cabbie. Absolutely. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, uh, this is from... Uh, says, I went to watch the BAFTAs last night, but I couldn't bring myself... Oh, I've lost it again. Why does this thing keep refreshing? Stupid blooming machine. Uh, it says, I went to watch the BAFTAs, but I couldn't bring myself to watch that uh, lewd, self-promoting, loudmouth, overpaid, sickly geek called Jonathan Ross, says Denon Merton. There you go. Uh, Robert the Cabbie says these gangs go about murdering and robbing and are a menace to everyone. There was me in my youth thinking I was revered for being a member of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. (laughs) Uh, Another one here. uh, This says Kerry Katona's been pictured in all the gossip mags, sporting the belly of an 80-year-old. Is she following your skincare routine? I don't know, actually. Of course, she hasn't because she looks fantastic on all the things there. Actually, I think... Uh, I didn't watch Dancing on Ice, but happened to catch the start of your programme. I saw Bette Midler. Uh, didn't she look wonderful, says Lynn. Uh, she's quite... I heard her being interviewed a short while ago, actually. I don't think she was that good. I don't think she was that good at interviewing. Probably OK. Probably OK. Uh, Catherine Jenkins, says Fiona, is pretty. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she admit to taking drugs? Yep. But I think we've all admitted now, it doesn't make any difference if you take drugs. Who cares? As far as I'm concerned, you want to take drugs, take drugs. I think we should have the drug Olympics. Stupid though it might seem. But what's the point of wasting all this time? Why not let everybody take as many drugs as they want, do the Olympics, we'll get all the records smashed. It'll be absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And then what we do is we go, you want to kill yourself? Die. We don't care. It'll be more fun, won't it, at the end of the day, to have uh, Olympians going, oh, this is terrible, I can't, uh, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, I don't, I don't know what to do about it. And we go, just take drugs. What sort of drug? Take any anabolic steroids you want. Why don't you do that? 84850, steve at uh, Another one here, which says, um, they, they, they put you on too early this morning. Just jealous that you were talking to Anthony. This is Angela. Actually, the funny thing is, we do, what happens is, he comes in after his programme, because he sits the other side, then he comes in here, and we have a, we have a, we have a chat and, of course, you know, if there's an advert there, it's OK, because you get an extra sort of minute and a half or something like that. But if there isn't an advert, you get no, no time to, to talk to him at all. Great shame. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 
When she mentioned, says Frank, the preposterous Anthony Worrell Thompson earlier on this morning's show, you reminded me of the late Humphrey Littleton's memorable gag about him. I'm sorry I haven't a clue. Yes, I have seen that one, actually. It's, it's made up, I'm afraid. It's a made-up thing. It just doesn't... I mean, it, it did the rounds of the internet. Very funny. And actually, it wasn't Anthony Worrell Thompson. It was done about um, uh, Ainsley Harriet, uh, which was the uh, how to sort of look after your sausages in the pack. But Anthony Worrell Thompson, I always remember... When, when he was on the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and he had a little tantrum, a little queenie fit and stamped his feet saying, we are not doing anything until we get our food. And I thought, oh, you're a nasty little man, aren't you? Nasty little fat man, actually. He needs to look after his weight because he's diabetic. So you've got to be very careful. Uh, something else here. This is from uh, Anthony. And, uh, yes. do you know, I've had the same joke sent in about 500 times, I'm afraid, which I can't do at the moment. And what is it about smug boy Quinn... And sobbing Colleen, along with Manic Grin Messenger, that makes my blood pressure rise. Can the British public not vote for Big Head Quinn and wipe that look off his face? As he knows, we all know he'll probably win. He started off as a wannabe 12-year-old crooner and has now morphed into the new John Curry. Next week, Quinn Boy becomes our singer for the Eurovision Song Contest. A nation weeps. And uh, the trouble is, he's, he's quite clearly very good at skating. But it's just a bit boring, isn't it? And everybody hates Melinda Messenger. Oh, let me tell you about my marriage. No, shut up. Nobody cares about your marriage, dreary girl. Go back to advertising, double glazing. You're very boring, very tedious. And while you're at it, take that naff old Colleen with you. I mean, do you know, the tights are supposed to make your legs look attractive. It's done the opposite in her case. Done the opposite. Short skirt and legs like tree trunks. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, there's no way they could ever... And what colour is your hair, love? Get it done professionally. Because that colour just looks really... Your hair's going to fall out. I'm telling you now. Get it done professionally. It'll be fine. Get it done cheaply. And it doesn't look so good. Uh, Saucy scientists have been carpeted for swimming nude and jelly wrestling at their freezing base in the Antarctic. Remember seeing them out in the Antarctic? Loads of scientists live out there and they study all sorts of strange things. And uh, and they've been going swimming naked. Seems fair enough. You're spending time out there. Who's going to watch you? A few whales. Who cares? Nobody cares about things like that. Did you go to the BAFTAs last night? I'll run through the list just after news. It was, it was a good night for British talent, even though we had to suffer Kate Winslet again. I must be the only one who's a bit bored with Kate Winslet, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that people go, oh, she's fantastic. And I'm, I'm going to be a bit bored with Dev Patel as well. For hear much more talk about Slumdog Millionaire. We know it's great. We know it's fantastic. The trouble is, Dev, you're only as good as your last film. Let's see what your next one's going to be like before we start rushing around saying we're going to be the next Bruce Lee. Sony Vio laptop in our How Low today. This one finishes at 5.30. Reverse auction. We're giving away this fantastic Sony. Uh, as it's a Sony, it's got all the great features. You can store all your photos and music. It's got 250 gigabytes of hard drive. Great for surfing the net and keeping in touch by email. You can log on to anywhere that's got Wi-Fi. Lowest unique bid will win. Lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Get your bid in by 5.30 today. Uh, what you've got to do is work it out. So you go, mm, last one might have gone for about £1.20. So you go, I think this one could go £1.18. So you text LBC118 and then send that to treble eight two one. So LBC, followed by your bid in pence, your bid, and then send that to treble eight two one. The computer will tell you if you've got a unique bid. If you've got a unique bid, hang on to it and hope that nobody goes underneath it. The bid will cost £1.50, plus your standard network rate. Lines close at 5.30 today. You must be over 16. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Good luck. Good luck, because it's rather nice, and if you want an extra, an extra laptop, that's the one to have. Uh, tempting aromas. What is the most... Here we go. It's, they're, they're so desperate, the papers, that they've got nothing to write about. Nothing to write about at all. So they're coming up with favourite smells. 
And apparently they've broken this down in a laboratory to come up with the tempting aroma of chips made up of onion, butterscotch and ironing boards. That's what they say. They've broken down the smell to come up with this astonishing results. This is what they do in laboratories in Leeds. You know, you might as well go back on the drugs, boys. I mean, who gives a... I mean, what, what possible use is this to anybody? So, in other words, the team from Leeds used a process known as gas chromology. And it splits the aromas into components. A human analyst then sniffed the smells and came up with... So, in other words, he could have been off his trolley, couldn't he? Butterscotch, cocoa, onions, flowers, cheese and ironing boards. It's like when you see them on the television. Total waste of time. Every time I see Jilly Goulden on the television, I turn off. Because, frankly, I, mean, I can't bear it. Anybody who sits there doing wine on the television is wasting our time and their time. And she goes, hmm, there's, there's, there's a hint of, of bergamot here and a hint of... And I think, well, it's just a bottle of wine, love. Drink it. Drink it. Stop wasting your time. They all sit there, don't they, go, hmm, and you can smell really rose hips. I open a bottle of wine, I smell nothing apart from wine. I pour it out, that's it, gone. I don't go... Mmm, a hint of rose petals with maybe a, just a tadge of hedgehog in there. And somebody, I think, possibly blackbird, or it could be starling, I don't know. They never say anything else, do they? Because there's a very good chance birds have weed and pooed over the grapes before they finally made it in there. So I don't know why they never add that into it. They always go, mmm, a hint of rose hips and, uh, and blackcurrant. Well, I've never smelled any of this. Blackbird poo, yes, quite a few times. But it's just ridiculous, isn't it? They, they tell us all this stuff. I'm so glad, actually, we haven't seen Jilly Goulden on the television for ages. Good news is we're not going to get uh, Christine Bleakley on. She's taking a small break from the one show. Sadly, it'll only be one or two shows. Here's me hoping for a year, but it'll never happen, will it? Here comes the news at six. The Browns have decided to take Paddington on a day trip to the country. It's seven minutes past six. It's Monday. If you're going to work, I would take a small umbrella. Because they reckon this afternoon, we might have a bit of sunshine this morning, and they reckon this afternoon it's going to rain. And then tonight, it's going to rain quite heavily. And then we're going to have gales and this, and we'll be lashed, and it'll be fantastic. And we'll all moan about it and say, well, we never knew about it. I'm just telling councils now, just in case they want to get some more grit in or something like that, or try and, you know, un- un- unplug all the drains that have now been clogged up with all the leaves and everything else. There's always something councils forget, and this time round it was, we haven't got enough salt, I'm afraid, which is rather uh, rather a shame. 84850, steve at I love the idea that they're going to have these 3D gizmos. So as opposed to having a television in the corner, you will have a gizmo that will create the film. You'll be in the film. Tigers will be able to crawl out and walk round the, the living room and start. I quite fancy that idea. I think that's, that's, uh, that's a very good idea. Um, and it, it's apparently, you know, within our lifetime. Beats all these blooming scientists up at Leeds, doesn't it? Faffing around with, you know, the smell of fish and chips is really an ironing board and a peppermint or something, butterscotch or something, because somebody said that's what it was. And you think, uh, should you not be finding a cure for cancer? Should you not be doing something more worthwhile? What possible use to anybody is trying to work out why we like the smell of chips? I realise that in some supermarkets they do pump the smell of of bread in, but I mean, why don't they just sort of set up somebody frying chips or just fry some onions? Because we'll all love it. Even Robert says it's Nice and reassuring to know that they're out there sniffing ironing boards. Dave in Kingston says, I can't believe anybody in this country has just got paid £20,000 for parking tickets. This is the story. Actually, you'll have to, you'll have to download the podcast because it's such a, such a good story. Kevin says, I think bonuses were given to people for achieving profit targets, not loss targets. This is over the fat bankers and the billion-pound bonuses. They're all doing it. They're all rushing through because these were agreed beforehand, but they're, they're all doing it. 
Absolutely, every every bank is doing it to rush through because without these uh, these bonuses, these people who've made the banks what little bit of money they appear to have at the moment go off somewhere else. So they, they can't afford to lose anybody. Spot on, says Patricia, with the effect of the brainless box on the vile behaviour, the trashy, ugly clothes of the young, especially today. When did it occur? Can anybody put their finger on when we went from being a country? We've always had little gangs on the street corner. We've always had, you know, kids who are bored out of their mind. We've never had before people setting fire to cars, people dialing 999 and then waiting for the fire engine or the ambulance to turn up and then robbing them. I've never, I don't remember a time when this was normal behaviour. And yet this is everyday occurrence now. I don't remember opening up the papers when I was younger to read about another knife crime. You know, another schoolboy stabbed, another 12-year-old. You know, we have a mother letting her six-year-old smoke cigarettes. I don't remember situations like that. I don't remember it. It was obviously not a nice period of time, and yet I'm old enough to remember most of it. Uh, I see that there's another story in the paper today about um, a million young people have moved back with their parents because it's a lot cheaper and they want to save towards their own home. Imagine the parents going, we've just finally got rid of them. Now the little blighters are coming back again. It's not much use, is it? Just when, you know, the parents are really having a nice time. Oh, look, they're back. Hi, Mum and Dad, just thought I'd move back in again. Uh, Is there anything to eat? No, not unless you cook it. The whole idea is you move out of your parents' home and they they can start having a life. Unfortunately, not at the moment. Here's the story, though, of uh, Samadi Syed, who's a Somalian illegal immigrant, doesn't speak any English, uh, who is furious that he was locked up after being caught with a fake passport, is suing Britain for £118,000 and has won legal aid. I mean, it's just an absolute joke, isn't it? It really is a joke. We're just just here. I think because the trouble is there are so many corrupt people within the system that it then means that other people come in and start cheating the system and the money disappears back out of the country. I've, I've never met so many people now with disabled badges who you know damn well aren't disabled. They're just using them illegally. And the moment you sort of pick on they go, you can't pick on me because I'm this, because I'm that, because I've got, you know, brown hair or blue eyes or something stupid. It's ridiculous. Uh, here she is. God, blimey. This is the, the model turned to plastic surgery, the revolting-looking Alicia Duval. I thought she disappeared completely. She must be trying to flog a dead horse again, I'm afraid. Oh, no, she's featured in the rehab series on Living. There's always some reason, isn't there? What a boring twerp she turned out to be. But the funniest story, the funniest story I found earlier on, and it was in The Express. You don't find many funny stories uh, in The Express, apart from they've done exactly the same about Queen Kate reigning in the rain, because it rained, there's a big surprise, and uh, Ken Barlow. Bill Roach, whose uh, wife, Sarah, died suddenly the other day. Do you know he's 76? She was 58. 58, no age at all. More on the balmy scientist, Jackie Smith, who's uh, saying, I've done nothing wrong over the uh, expenses. They seem to have, you know, it's all, it's all legally done, but it just, there's a, little, there's a little smell there that nobody quite likes, do they? Nice to see Prince Philip back, not looking particularly brilliant, but at least he's, uh, he's looking quite well. And another story here, which was on... Uh, Prince Harry, who was out partying with uh, party girl B, Princess Beatrice. Can't imagine why. Can't imagine why. Paul McCartney out on the town with his girl. They seem very happy together. Certainly not happier than he was with the last one. And uh, Terry Gilliam. Uh, this was the man who, who, you know, doesn't really do honours or anything like that, and yet turned up to BAFTA to get one. I like Terry Gilliam. I think he's good. Dewey Martin of Buffalo Springfield has died. My producer said to me yesterday, what do, what do you think about Buffalo Springfield? I said, I, didn't, I don't know anything about them, apart from they had one 
hit, I think, was it in a Garda de Vida or was that somebody else? I think for, for what it's worth was another one of theirs. Celebrity Credit Crunch, they're looking at all the people who've, who've lost money, including Steven Spielberg, Zaza Gabor, Kevin Bacon, uh, Gordon Ramsay, Phil Spencer, Sharon Stone. Um, as opposed to reading about Celebrity Credit Crunch, why not some ordinary people who've lost? Wouldn't that make far more sense? Who's interested in whether Carol Vorderman's flat has gone down in value? I couldn't give a stuff. A woman paid 4,000 quid a programme for doing very little apart from going one and one is one and two and one is three. Take away the seven and there it is. Who cares? Answer nobody. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Myself the other day, as you watch Loose Women today, cast your mind back to when there used to be nice programmes on at lunchtime, like Country Kitchen, where a lot of, you know, nice ladies would sit down and talk and be fairly articulate. Now you get a bunch of sex-mad drunks who sit on the television and barely string two words together, and everybody sort of kind of sounds like that all the time. They sound a bit like they need Professor Higgins to come in and teach them how to speak properly. And then, and, then they, and then some of them might be singing teachers, but they quite clearly aren't very good at that because they have to sit there and bore the pants off everybody. And then today, in the Express, and, and you can get psychologists to come up with anything. They go, give you 50 quid. Can you come up with this one? Yes, please. Uh, because we want to launch some new hair shades. And we quite like you to look at um, uh, the colours that people have in their hair and tell, tell us what it says about them. So they found this psychologist, Anjula Mutanda. No, it sounds like she's walked out of something else. But... Uh, if you're brunette, and they've got here singer Cheryl Cole, so she's a, a brainy brunette, OK? Switching to a brunette, she was saying, and this, this is what the, the psychologist reckons uh, Cheryl Cole is saying, I'm a force to be reckoned with, take me seriously. Hmm. That'll be after the uh, that's after being a convicted thug in prison. Uh, Cheryl Cole used to highlight her naturally brown hair with blonde tones when she started out switching it. She now says, I'm a force to be reckoned with. It's no coincidence says Anjula, who quite clearly has got a finger on the pulse, probably her own, that her change in colour coincided with revelations about husband Ashley's infidelity. And women often do drastic things to their hair as a result of major life changes. Uh, if, for example, you're a redhead, a creative redhead, uh, although it's not proper red, this is the silly colour that Cary Grant does her hair, she says here, she's articulate and intelligent and her red hair indicates she has depth of character. I mean, you can't make it up, can you, at all? It's just absolute rubbish. Uh, celebrity icon Lily Allen. Pink is a girly colour associated with childhood, but it also shouts, look at me. No, imagine. Do you know, she's brighter than I thought, this psychologist. Uh, celebrity icon uh, actress Scarlett Johansson. She's got yo-yo hair colour. In other words, you know, can't make up her mind. And they say here, changing your hair colour at the drop of a hat may be an indicator of someone who isn't too sure of themselves. <laughs> Imagine an actress not being too sure of themselves. It's a pile of old rubbish. And, Julie, go back. You're really boring. It's, such, it's just a load of old twaddle, I'm afraid. It's very sweet, and you probably got, you know, your few hundred quid for it or a thousand quid. But, frankly, it's a load of old rubbish. You know, dyeing your hair red doesn't mean you're intelligent at all. It means that you're desperately insecure and you want to be noticed. You know, it's like wearing big glasses or, you know, doing any... I told you, I sat on the train the other day. I've come to the conclusion the train I get on in the morning is known as the breakfast train. Because there's always somebody eating, and there's something revolting about people who sit there in front of you eating food. I mean, they're really the lowest common denominator. So there's this bloke who gets on, and, and he puts his kit bag on the seat, and he gets out his plastic box, and he eats these little sandwiches. And you look at him, and you think, it's quite disgusting. I would never eat on a train in front of other people. It's just, it's just naff. And then yesterday, no, it wasn't yesterday, no, it was Friday, the bloke gets on, so he sits there. And he looked a little bit like, oh, has anybody seen my hedgehog? And, and he proceeds to open his little bag and he gets out a flask 
He pour, he takes the top off the flask, which becomes the cup. He pours himself a cup of tea, then proceeds to open a packet of chocolate biscuits and sit there, staring into the distance, dunking his chocolate biscuits. You've never seen such a stupid person in your entire life. And then, and sort of, you know, and calmly sort of sits there, as if he's, you know, on a stagecoach or something. I don't know where he thought he was. Very, very odd. Very, very odd. Uh, who was out last night at the BAFTAs? They were all out there. Best film? Slumdog Millionaire. It's got to be. And I think it's great. All the clips I've seen it look great. I love the... Apparently the, uh, the clips that they've shown of, uh, of India are fantastic. Best director, Danny Boyle, Slumdog Millionaire. Leading actor, Mickey Rourke, went for The Wrestler. Uh, Kate Winslet got the reader for leading actress. I mean, really. <laughs> Supporting actress, Pen- Penelope Cruz. I think they had to give her that because she arrived over here. Supporting actor, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Which one was he? Is he dead, Heath Ledger? Supporting actor. So he gets a... Really? Oh, fantastic. What, what a waste of an, a- of, a- of an acting award. Supporting actor goes to somebody who's dead. It's a bit pointless, doesn't it? Uh, adapted screenplay. Slumdog Millionaire. Film not in the English language. Uh, animated film goes to Wally. Wally, so that was good. Outstanding British film, Man on Wire, um, and the Carl Foreman Award for special achievement by a British director, writer, or producer of their first feature film. Steve McQueen, director, writer, Hunger. Music, Slumdog Millionaire. Cinematography, Slumdog Millionaire. Editing, Slumdog Millionaire. I mean, it really walked away, didn't it, with them? Uh, they also for production design, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Which is a strange film, isn't it? Which works backwards. He starts old and then works backwards. Costume design, The Duchess. Uh, Sound, Slumdog Millionaire. Best special visual effects, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Short animation, Wallace and Gromit. A matter of loaf and death. Good for Nick Park, Bob and uh, Stephen. That one. Short film goes to September. Uh, The Orange Rising Star Award, voted by the public, Noel Clark. Never heard of him. I'm really sorry. Really sorry. Academy Fellowship to Terry Gilliam and the outstanding British contribution to cinema, Pinewood Studios, Shepparton Studios. I did a feature on Shepparton once. Fantastic place. I love it. I love it. Wouldn't want to work there, but I, I quite like it. And then they look at what everybody was wearing. And they were all wearing black. Black was the in colour last night, which was very good. Sharon Stone looked OK in red. A bit difficult to tell, you know, whether she's uh, enhanced or not. Gemma Arterton. Gemma Arterton? Nope. Nope, me neither. Apparently, um, she's a Bond girl. Nope, still none the wiser, I'm afraid. Kylie Minogue was there. For what reason? Can somebody explain to me? You know, she was she was at the BAFTAs. Why? Kirsten Scott... Oh, she was in a film once, was she? She was in The Delinquents. OK. Meryl Streep was there. She looks like she bought this about 30 years ago. Frido Pinto. This is the Slumdog Millionaire style, looking pretty in an Oscar de la Renta number. You know, it's worth a huge amount of money to all the... Um, designers, because if they get the name mentioned, and most people go, you know, that they always get the girls on the catwalk going, "Oh, you look fantastic! Who's your dress by?" And that's their uh, that's their their cue to then go, "It's actually Oscar de la Renta," you know. Or I mean, nobody's ever going to go out there and go, "Actually, it's a uh, it's a Vicky Beckham," you know. Nobody's nobody's ever going to say that because she just looks so old in some of her outfits. Uh, Emma Watson, I don't know what you were doing there, dear. It's for actresses, but she was wearing a an Yves Saint Laurent gown with a floral neckline which is nice. They're all borrowed, of course. Nobody's got this. It all goes back. It was like poor old Marilyn Monroe years ago. She used to go to all the award ceremonies and she would go to the uh, studio and on the bus and she'd get there and they'd, they'd do her hair, do her makeup, give her the furs, give her everything, the jewellery. She'd go off and do the... Oh, oh. And all that kind of bit. Then go back to the studio, take it all, go back home on the bus again. And that was it. It was all false. Nowadays, I think they, they seem to think that, uh, you know, they really own these dresses. Royal Mail Chiefs, having announced the other day 
that they were axing 16,000 postal workers. I've got a few names I'll submit to them. Uh, They're now splashing out a million quid on furniture for their new headquarters. Which is also rather strange, because uh, the uh, Thunderbirds creator, Jerry... um, Jerry... him, uh, is selling everything. He's moving offices, and he's selling all his office furniture. He's selling out 250 items. 250 items Jerry's selling, including some things never seen before. So there's going to be some silver heads and silver cars and stuff like that, stuff that was used for the... Jerry Anderson, sorry. Losing my mind this morning. And I tell you, I did see a programme the other day. I have never seen a programme like it. I mean, it it was... it's, It's not British. It's not British. And it's called Dog, the Bounty Hunter. I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe that this man, who's called Dog, the Bounty Hunter actually talks like he's from the street, like wicked, but he's about 50 and he wears sunglasses and he wears leather outfits, so he's quite clearly gay. And he looks like he's walked out of the village people. And then they introduce you to his wife. And you look at this man mountain that's got this blonde wig stuck on its head and you worry that these people believe that they're really called dog and man mountain. And they go out and they, and they arrest people and they think that they're part of the law. And they film it, and it's just the most awful thing you've ever seen. And the worst thing is it might be coming over here. And you might have to suffer with it, because this man is really the most scary. He's the sort of bloke at the pub, and you go, do you know any criminals? Hey, boy, do I know criminals. And he talks like this, everybody, dude. He's 50! And he wears sort of like a, a leather vest kind of thing. He's really scary and worry, worrying, but not as scary and worrying as the wife, who I think is actually somebody called Brian. But that's just my uh, my thoughts. You've never seen anything like it. It is the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Oh, Nick's with you at seven. This is LBC 97. Minutes to uh, seven. Phil Black is with us once again. With, with the usual on a Monday morning smile on his face. Because traditionally, Friday was always the day that we had winners in the horse race. So I thought we'd do it backwards this morning. We'd do horse racing backwards. So morning, Why not? Morning. Yeah, you did win. At four to eleven, but I mean, <laughs> not a huge amount of money. No, but it's a win. It's absolutely it's it a keeps, win. It keeps the record going. Seventy-two pence profit. <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, can't even go buy a portion of chips for seventy-two pence. But it's it's a start. So your total profit is three pounds seventy-two. So you had. I mean, it's quite a week for you actually. You had one non-runner, one loser, and three winners, mm, including says, a twenty-pound profit in one. Yes, of those. all right. I knew we were going to get... I mean, Alex says, if he carries on like this, you won't need me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite so sure it will carry on. No, I, I, I... Well, it doesn't matter, because at least Alex saved two pounds with his Riguez Dancer, which was a non-runner. Oh, right. So his total loss is 20... I mean, you're in profit £3.72. Mm. I'm quite impressed by that. Anything in profit, I will uh, I will happily take that. I don't understand 4 to 11. Do you understand how, how betting works? Uh, kind of, yeah. 4 to 11 means... Do you understand what 4 to 11 means? You've got to put £11 on to win four. Right. Doesn't kind of seem a very good bargain, does <laughs> no, it? Not so, really. So, so you put £11 on, you get four back. Do you not get your £11? You still get your £11 back as oh, well. Oh, OK, right. But you're obviously staking a fair bit. So if it's 5 to 12, so then for every £12 you put on, you get, you get £5, five exactly. back again. Exactly. See, I bet you never knew this at home. I'm telling you this useless information today. <laughs> I'm also padding beautifully. Uh, so today we're off to Wolverhampton for Monday's selection, the 4.30. And I think we've had this before. For some reason it rings a bell. Samurai Warrior. I've heard of... I'm probably just... In the back of my mind, I'm thinking of a Tom Cruise film. <laughs> Samurai, Samurai Warrior win only at 4, 4.30 at Wolverhampton. Do you remember okay. what you're going to have? He says, I've just realised, of course, you don't know what you're going to uh, have. I'm going to go to Wolverhampton as well, actually. Oh, yeah? 4.30, okay. uh, formidable guest. Formidable guest. Yes. Do you want to go each way, or can um, we... I was tempted to go each way on that one, but I'm not. I'm going to go to win. 
You see, just he, he just he's a little tempter, you know. Just I might have gone. I, d- I did consider it. I did consider, did consider it. This it I know. So both for four thirty. Why is that? Is it something? I don't know. It's, it's uh, a coincidence. There is actually an inspection at Wolverhampton at seven thirty, so they both might be non-runners. But oh, here we go. So we save two quid. So exactly. That's right. Anyway, with the rest of the sports, sports editor Phil Blacker. Yes, here we go. Manchester United uh, returned to the top of the Premier League with a one 0 win at West Ham last night. It takes them two points clear of Liverpool again, and means it's a British record one thousand one hundred ninety-six minutes now without conceding a goal. Arsene Wenger says he'll decide today whether to punish Emmanuel Abue for his sending off in yesterday's goalless derby at Tottenham. Abue has apologised for kicking out at Luke. Modric, but Wenger says he didn't see it. He'll have a look at the video. The result leaves them five points off a Champions League place and Spurs just two points above the relegation zone. Further bad news for the Gunners, though. The hamstring injury suffered by striker Emmanuel Adebayor in the game is expected to keep him out for three weeks. It's been widely reported this morning that Portsmouth will sack Tony Adams today. He's won only two of 16 games since replacing Harry Redknapp as manager four months ago and they slipped with two uh, within one point of the relegation zone after Saturday's defeat against Liverpool. Some reports suggest Adams has already gone, but there's been no confirmation from the club yet. That is, though, expected at some stage today. England's cricketers fly to Antigua later to prepare for the second test after the weekend's humiliating loss to the West Indies. The innings defeat has left some players under real pressure for their places. Alistair Cook and Ian Bell amongst those tipped to be dropped. Wales started their defence of Rugby Six Nations with an impressive 26-13 win in Scotland yesterday. It's ominous for England, who they face in Cardiff next this coming Saturday. And three scheduled race meetings for today. Tony McCoy is at Plumpton as he tries again for his 3,000th winner. They also go at Kempton and at Wolverhampton, which, as we say, is subject to an inspection in about an hour's time. Excellent. Oh, hello. 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 Oh, there you are. Thank you. <laughs> you weren't talking to me anymore. Anyway, Phil, thank you for that. Thank you. See you back tomorrow morning. We'll find out uh, after the inspection how well we do today at Wolverhampton. It's 23 to 7. LBC Sport with Dawkins Bailiffs, helping commercial landlords get what they're owed. Phil's back with you later on with uh, Nick Ferrari, just after news at seven today. Katie Knight, Daily Mail journalist, will be in looking at the papers. They talk about kids in gangs. How do we solve the problem? I don't think there is a, I don't think there is a way of solving the problem. I absolutely don't. No matter what you come up with, kids are still going to go out there carrying knives. They're still going to be going out there causing disruption. You know why? They're bored out of their tinies. They're bored out of their tiny minds. Parents couldn't care less. You've seen the sort of parents they have because they generally turn up on the television chat shows going, no idea what they were doing, no idea. I don't know why, actually, the papers don't start a campaign to start going round to the parents' houses and start hauling them before the courts. They've got a tow rag for a son. Let's start telling people about it. They'll be talking about the Australia fires, which are terrible. Vince Cable will be on talking about why we're accepting billion-pound bonuses. The answer is because these were contractual obligations written some while ago. And Andrew Pearce is going to be uh, talking about the BAFTAs backstage some strange reason. I don't know. Probably because he went. Probably because he went. And also the foster parents struck, up, uh, struck off over the Muslim teen's conversion. So I'll be finding out more about that. All with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven this morning. And the, the Marine and the Bungalow. An update on there. A breakthrough. So you'll know more about that as well. Uh, I still find it difficult to believe, and I know you get these things on the internet, and most of it I do take with a pinch of salt, but apparently uh, in a children's science exam, question, name the four seasons, answer... Salt, pepper, mustard and vinegar. Uh, explain one of the processes by which water can be made safe to drink. Flirtation makes water safe to drink because it removes large pollutants like grit, sand, dead sheep and canoeists. Uh, another one here. What are steroids? Things for keeping carpets still on the stairs. <laughs> and, and what happens to a boy when he reaches puberty? Answer. He says goodbye to his boyhood and looks forward to his adultery. Apparently there was an A-plus for that one. 
Oh, dear. Name a major disease associated with cigarettes. Answer, premature death. And how is dew formed? Answer, the sun shines down on the leaves and makes them perspire. You can't believe... I mean, you can only believe that somebody sat down and made these up. For example, what does the word benign mean? Benign is what you'll be after you be eight. (laughs) You have to think about them very carefully, don't you? Give the meaning of the term caesarean section. The caesarean section is a district in Rome. (laughs) What does varicose mean? What does varicose mean? Answer, nearby. You'll have to think about that one a bit more carefully. Don't forget, we've got a lovely how low on the programme this morning. This one finishes at 5.30 today. It's a Sony Vio laptop. And it can be yours because it's a Sony. You know, it's got all the good stuff on it. 250 gigabytes of hard drive. Great for surfing the net. And you can log on anywhere that's got Wi-Fi. Lowest unique bid will win. Lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Get your bids in by 5.30 today. Text LBC, followed by your bid in pence, and send that to 88821. So LBC, followed by your bid in pence, to 88821. Bid will cost £1.50, plus your standard network rate. Lines close at 5.30 today. Must be over 16. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Good luck. 20 to 7, I must send uh, good luck and good wishes to the president of the Magic Circle, Ali Bongo who's not very well in hospital. Hopefully they'll, uh, they'll bring him back over here. So good luck, Ali. And uh, all our thoughts and prayers are with you at the moment. A really, really nice man. And you can't say that very often in this day and age, can you? In fact, you certainly can't say it about Jade Goody's mother, because there she was rowing in hospital. The Daily Mirror, strange enough, have repeated this story from yesterday, and she was forced to act as a peacemaker in a row between her mum and her boyfriend. This is the ghastly Jack Tweed and even more ghastly Jackie. Uh, she was... Um, just coming out of her operation, and uh, then Jackie discovered that no one was at her daughter's bedside on Friday when she came round, because she wasn't there, and she blamed Jack's partner, Jack, screaming at an earshot of uh, shocked hospital staff, and a source said, last thing she wants is to have two of the people she cares most about in the world at each other's throats. Bit of a bad choice, isn't it, really? If all you've got is Jackie and Jack Tweed. Really, quite uh, awful. More on this £20,000, which this man was awarded for, for stress for parking. Life's taken on a whole new meaning this morning for Monday, isn't it? When you start thinking, crikey, even I can, uh, even I could start doing it. Because we all get stressed, don't we? In this day and age, there's going to be people saying, wait a minute, listen, we're in a recession, we're in a recession, and, um, and I don't want this. Mind you, the good news is that Al Murray, the pub landlord's beautiful British tour, is all sold out. All sold out. So obviously, in times of recession and times of depression, people obviously want to go out to the theatre and have a bit of a laugh. And they want to go out there. Unfortunately, you are having a bit of a laugh... At Minder at the moment. I did watch a bit of it the other night. It is hilariously funny for the appalling acting from Shane Ritchie. I didn't realise just how awful he is. I didn't think it was entirely possible to be this cod when you're acting. I mean, it's just pitifully awful. As a stand-up, it's hilarious. But unfortunately, as acting, it's, it's nowhere near. It's just absolutely atrocious, the whole programme. So I don't see this going another series. It can't do. I mean, it'll, it'll probably end up the same as Richard and Judy disappearing. Somebody's also written in to me to tell me that Dog, the bounty hunter, and that peculiar-looking thing which passes for a wife, is apparently already on Sky in this country. I mean, really, just the most awful thing. I mean, this is the sort of man you bump into in the pub and you think to yourself, I bet if you've got a motorbike, you're riding side saddle. You can't actually see him getting over the whole thing, can you? It's just odd, isn't it? Uh, Kerry Katona out on the town the other day wearing... I don't know what sort of outfit that was. Have she paid the tax bill? Have we discovered whether or not the tax bill has been been paid yet? More on chips. 
and how the scientists in Leeds have wasted their time and everybody else's time by working out why we like the smell of chips. We like the smell of chips because we just do. You don't need to have it analysed in that it smells of ironing board covers or it smells of butterscotch or anything else. And as we come up to Valentine's Day, you're going to be plagued every day in the paper by um, food, which apparently makes you more amorous. Now, I can solve all their problems straight away. The only thing that makes you feel more amorous is a bottle of wine. Nothing else will work. Don't waste your time with silly strawberries dipped in chocolate with oysters, which will make you sick. None of this stuff. All you want, two or three bottles of wine, I promise you, the cupboard door will look attractive. Everything looks attractive on a bottle of wine. Don't waste your time here with the ten key foods of salmon, banana, dark chocolate, berries, spinach or avocado. Couple of bottles of wine... Eve, well, I mean, really, even Judy Finnegan could look interesting. This is LBC 97.3. 11 minutes to 7 is at the time. Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3. Nick's with you after the news at 7. Don't forget, the weather apparently is going to turn nasty this afternoon. And then, apparently tomorrow, we're back where we started again. So they say. Steve, has Mick Jagger had surgery? I have no idea. Uh, Gemma Arterton was in the last Bond movie. And was in Tef- Tess of the Durbervilles. Uh, Catherine wants to know, it was Goldie Horn who was in Private Benjamin. I don't know how old Goldie Horn is now. She's married to, um, can't remember his name either. Uh, Steve, says John, I don't understand. If banks are not bailed out, there'll be no bank, therefore no job in the intended bonus recipients. Why isn't the government funding our money being provided conditionally, not for bonus payments? They should be happy. They've still got a job. Thousands of others are losing theirs without any government funding. It is true. It's true. But all these were organised a long, long time ago, so it, it's a contractual obligation that they have. And they're all doing it. It's not just RBS. I think you'll find Barclays are doing it, Lloyds are doing it, NatWest are doing it. All of their, all of their uh, top people get bonuses. That's how they survive. And if you haven't got them, thank goodness only knows what you've got. Quickly in the papers in the last uh, eight minutes of the programme... Uh, scared Dancing on Ice producers almost pulled Roxanne Pallet's danger stunt from last night's show after it went horribly wrong. You were all voted out. Thankfully, um, uh, Todd Carty, so he's uh, gone. And, in fact, even Philip Schofield put on a pair of skates the other day. I, th- I think it's incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to skate. I don't know about other people. I have tried it a few times, and I find it absolutely impossible. You've obviously got to get to that stage where you can, you can keep your legs together because once your legs start start moving apart, I think you're in a terrible thing. And that was the problem I had. So it's obviously that, that control of keeping them together. There's probably a few jokes there, which I can't think of at this precise moment in time, and I'm sure we'll come round to them before the end of the programme. Football fans are furious after a top ref claim players get into trouble so they can miss games and go on holiday. They now want a top-level probe into the allegations by the ref Steve Bennett because the Premier League have already vowed to investigate, and Malcolm Clark, head of the Football Supporters Federation, has urged the FA to act as well. According to Bennett, a top international asked to be booked so he could get suspended and go on holiday with the family. Another wanted time off over Christmas. I would think it's probably quite not. I don't know why people get all funny about these things, because it's probably been going on for ages and ages. Here's uh, Victoria Beckham, looking as though she's about to go and work on Casualty, wearing a white outfit, just needs the stethoscope. It's a very peculiar outfit. And, uh, again, Miss Misery herself turned up at the Dorchester, whereas they've got a perfectly good house in Sawbridgeworth. Why they're not using that, I've got no idea. I think they'll end up putting it up, I think, for sale very shortly. Um, There's the story that Nick's going to be covering, which is in all the papers today, of the uh, faith groups who hit out yesterday after a foster mum was struck off for allowing a Muslim girl in her care to convert to Christianity. 
Christian Institute spokesman Mike Judge says, I can't imagine an atheist would be struck off if a Christian child in her care stopped believing in God. This is the sort of double standards Christians are facing in Britain. You know that there are new adverts on the buses which are uh, coming up now. First of all, we had the one from whoever it was who said there probably isn't a God. Now there's another one coming up uh, which says uh, there is a God. Which, of course, is rubbish. You can't prove that at all. So they they should really change it, because I'm sure there'll be complaints about it saying there probably is a God. There probably is a God. Not there is a God. Uh, Peaches Geldof has managed to find uh, a sympathetic shoulder to, to cry on. Apparently, it's the dreary Agnes Dane, you know, the former fish shop shop girl whose name isn't Agnes Dane at all, uh, because you probably haven't heard, but uh, dreary peaches, uh, her her marriage has split up. It's so sad, isn't it? It lasted less than a month, really. Well, they were married for a few months. They'd known him. She'd known him a month, and uh, he lived in America and she lived here. So, of course, it was a complete waste of time for everybody. Katie Price in the paper today, looking very old and very haggard at 30, and uh, she's hired a trainer to keep her a size 8 she was warming up for a run because she's determined to fit in with the toned and trimmed residents of Los Angeles. Sadly, people parking your cars look a lot better than Katie Price does, which is a bit of a problem because everybody in Los Angeles is beautiful. Every single person. You don't find unattractive people till Katie Price moved there. And I have to laugh at the front page of OK magazine, a picture of Cheryl and Victoria. It's a really old, 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 old picture because Victoria Beckham's hair has been cut short for the last six months, as far as I remember. This is a very old thing. Jade Goody has vowed to fight her cancer demons for the sake of her children. You heard that the other day, uh, because she said she wants to raise £10 million. So that's good news, isn't it? Carol Thatcher wants to sue the BBC. It's in the paper today. The Armour Celebrity Star has has been forced to take refuge in Switzerland after receiving death threats. You can only assume it's the terminally stupid people who would issue things like that. By the same token, Jade Goody is pleased by the number of emails she's had wishing her well. I wouldn't believe half of them, actually, Jade. People tell the most awful lies on emails. Uh, And Carol Thatcher haven't had to take refuge in Switzerland. She lives in Switzerland. That's where she's, she's lived for the past, well, goodness knows how many years. Ages and ages and ages and ages. Daily Mail this morning, you do get a free DVD, so there's your incentive. Absolutely the kind of thing you need with the weather that's on the way. They're offering Ice Cold in As Alex. That's your latest classic war movie. Uh, Jackie Smith, they'll be talking about this with Nick after news at seven, justifying a £116,000 claim for the uh, home cost while she's actually staying at her sister's. An instinct may be a bit more reliable than the conscious brain at making decisions. So says a psychologist. You always get this, don't you? 8 for 850. Uh, Dom the Milky says, if you have to keep your legs together, be a good skater. Well, Rika Johnson won't be a very good skater. It's, it's a very good gag, and it was the only one I couldn't think of on the uh, programme. Uh, Agnes Dane peaches Geldof. There's a combination, I don't think, says uh, Angela. And Robin Gibb has a baby BG with the maid. But I always thought Robin Gibb had one of those open relationships. I know that uh, Dwina, his wife, who I've interviewed, I think they have an open relationship. It seems to work for, for years and years. And uh, I, I didn't know, actually, that the, uh, the maid had got pregnant. And uh, drugs no worse than horse riding. The Melanie Phillips column today is looking at this. In the light, I suppose, of uh, Chloe Maidley, pictured in all the papers yesterday, smoking from a bong. Although it has been pointed out to me, you don't think... It's just something done to get publicity. My cynical producer says, you know, maybe she wasn't actually smoking drugs. So what they did, they just got a piece of tubing, stuck a bit of cigarette smoke inside it, went, oh, look, Chloe Madeley. Because it puts you in the paper. So she's now, she's now, I mean, she'll probably end up with a series on the back of it. 
Because now, all of a sudden, she's got that celebrity value. It's no good doing something good, as I said earlier on in the programme. It's no good donating loads of money to charity. What you have to do is go on like uh, Bob Geldof and use the F word liberally throughout appealing for money to the rest of the country. And nobody ever criticised him. So why shouldn't Chloe Madeley smoke a few drugs? Gets her a full page in the Daily Mail. You know, we can all act outraged, can't we? And go, oh, that's absolutely dreadful, isn't it? Chloe Madeley smoking drugs. But then, you know, Richard and Judy admitted they smoked drugs as well. But as I said before, it doesn't seem to do them any harm. Well, the audience dropped off, true, but they're still employing Chloe. I mean, it'd just be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because she might know more things about them and say, well, actually, Mum and Dad walk around the house naked. And we all go, oh, dear, I'm not sure about that. That's a bit too frightening. Although, as was pointed out earlier, you know, I suppose something worse than that would be trying to think about Diane Abbott and Ann Whittacombe sitting around <laughs> smoking drugs, being naked, which, of course, would never happen. 84850, steve at You must read the story... Uh, in the papers today, which we which we mentioned earlier about uh, poor Aisha Smythe and her short skirt, you might agree or disagree. But uh, as for Judith Kilshaw, definitely not. And the latest update on the motorist who got the twenty thousand pounds for the four parking tickets is that the council, which says it's never received a summons, has since taken the case back to Bow County Court, which ruled in its favour and ordered Mr. Noon to repay the money. And now you know, for £20,000, I think, that one's riding on. I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting story. They will, uh, with Nick after News at 7, be talking about the BAFTAs last night. Slumdog slammed them. Absolutely slammed them. Did phenomenally well. Six, six BAFTAs they walk away with. Kate Winslet was there. Not a particularly long speech, although I'm led to believe that uh, even Jonathan Ross was uh, quite uncharacteristically witty. And well done to the fallen climber in the week that we've seen three climbers lose their lives. This man happened to be uh, trapped on a frozen mountain ledge. And he was saved purely because he decided to have a cigarette. And he lit one with a little tiny lighter. The flame was seen eight miles away by a helicopter crew using night vision goggles. And they rescued him. Who says there isn't a god? Apparently dog has nine children. Oh, there's a scary thought. This is Dog the Bounty Hunter, one of the scariest programmes I've ever seen. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Go to lbc.co.uk. Look at the lovely pictures of the snow and learn how to podcast. It will change your life, I promise you. Just when you think there's nothing, you know, on the radio or on the television, there's always an LBC programme that you can refer back to, and at least, hopefully, it'll send you work with a smile on your face. Next after the news, which is next, 97.3. Hello, Doctor. I'm Will Endowed. You certainly 